The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. Let's start this last Friday of 2018 with the last Duff McKagan joke of the week of 2018. Take it away, Duff. Hi, Chris Jericho. It's Duff McKagan calling you. It's, uh, it's Christmas Day. So happy belated Christmas. Merry Christmas. Uh, you know, for Christmas, I got a jigsaw puzzle. And uh, I did it. I was really beside myself. I did the whole jigsaw jigsaw puzzle in one hour on the box it says three to four years so yeah that's actually really good i used that uh, at a party i was at and nobody laughed so perfect uh, style for the duff mckagan joke of the week uh hey duff ashley took the time to come up with an original joke and call it in on christmas day thanks duff thanks for all 52 Fridays that you called in a Duff McKagan joke of the week. And thanks for delivering the laughs and the rock and roll, uh, or at least attempting to, the laughs I mean every Friday. Here's to more laughs in 2019. Wishing Duff and his family a happy new year. Uh, but today we're closing out 2018 with some great stories and memories about one of the great legends uh, of the business and one of my closest friends that's been gone for many years. Talking about Eddie Guerrero. This is live from the Jericho Cruise in October with uh, guys that knew Eddie very well. Conan, Rey Mysterio, Diamond Dallas Page, and myself. We did a live podcast on the ship remembering Eddie Guerrero. We talked about the first time we all met Eddie, what it was like working with him in the ring, what he was like as a wrestler and a person. And we all shared some of the crazy stuff Eddie used to do and say, what, you think your shit don't stink? Hunched over. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, what a brother. Uh, DDP worked with Eddie in WCW many times and talks about some of his favorite matches against Eddie and what Eddie did for DDP's career. Conan, of course, grew up with Eddie, talks about his early days wrestling in Juarez in Mexico, El Paso. First time he saw Eddie wrestle in Tijuana. Uh, how Chavo Sr. first introduced Conan to Eddie. And that's where Ray first saw Eddie as well as a wrestling fan in Tijuana, where he grew up going to shows. He finally met Eddie in Mexico City, same place he first met me at the Hotel Plaza Madrid in downtown Mexico City. That's a great story as well that you're about to hear. You're also going to hear about Eddie the Giant, Wee Wee Halloween Havoc 1997, the Lucha Libre style, and a bunch of other amazing Eddie Guerrero matches and stories from his time at ECW, WCW, Mexico, Japan, WWE. So here we go, Conan, Ray, DDP, and CJ, remembering Eddie Guerrero live on Talk is Jericho. Wow. Well, 
Thank you guys for being here. This blew my mind. We were standing backstage and we looked through the curtain and like there's nothing but people here. Um, and like I said earlier, your only job, your only rule for me is to have the best vacation of your life, okay? And so what I wanted to do on this cruise with all these other great activities is to do some podcasts with some people that are here that I've never got a chance to really sit down and chop it up with, as, as Conan would say, uh, and talk about a guy that was very uh, important to all of us and a guy that's very uh, well-revered to all of you. Of course, we're talking about Eddie Guerrero. And it's very, you know, it's emotional for, for us. I mean, uh, Ray Mysterio here on the, on the end. Who, listen, this guy jumped through hoops to be here. He has to go to SmackDown next week. He had some family obligations this week. He made it here. That's a good dude right there, okay? Seriously. Another one of my oldest friends in the business right here, Conan. We've known each other since 1992. And we got some great stories about Eddie and you. <laughs> and then also here, another great friend of mine, DDP. Who I wanted to involve because he knew Eddie from a different time. We met Eddie in the early 90s. He met Eddie in the mid-90s when we started in WCW. So it's a little bit of a different vibe uh, of the different eras of Eddie Guerrero. So I want to start off uh, with you, Conan. And I know that Eddie and, and you knew each other very, very long ago. When did you first meet him? Uh, and what was the circumstances surrounding that? <laughs> Big pop for the microphone move. <laughs> I feel like dice play. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing with Eddie. Um, travel... Um, senior? Yeah, Chavo Senior. When I grew up, like, one of the only la Latinos putting it down in uh, wrestling was Chavo Guerrero, and he had this really cool... He had this, uh... He had this really cool suplex that he used to call the Mexplex, which I thought was a great name. The Mexplex. Right. <laughs> you can't use that nowadays. Someone would be insulted. <laughs> I think I already am. <laughs> yeah. and, um, and not only that... Don't think I didn't see that you guys are playing Nacho Libre, all right? <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> That's the first ever Nacho Libre chant ever. It was not a great movie. Anyways, go ahead. So Chavo was one of your heroes. Right. So um, I had gone to see Chavo Guerrero, and I went to see, like, all the young high flyers that, you know, I think, uh, you know, Ray was also uh, influenced by, you know, Cardenal, Thunderbird, Super Astro. They were, like, all on that show. And afterwards, uh, Chavo stayed to watch Eddie wrestle. And so, so I, went, I went over there to meet Chavo, and he was like, yeah, you know, he was kind of criticizing him. Is this in Miami? No, this is in uh, Tijuana. In Tijuana, gotcha. Yeah. 
And uh, arriba Tijuana. <laughs> and uh, so, so he was, um, so Eddie was in the ring and he was kind of like uh, critiquing him. And I was like, uh, are you related to that guy? And he was like, yeah, that's my brother. And so like when the match was over, he introduced me to Eddie and me and Eddie clicked real quick because almost everybody in the dressing room was mostly like Mexicans that just spoke Spanish. And Eddie was bilingual, I was bilingual. He lived in a border city, I lived in a border city. So it kind of just kind of clicked. And then uh, when I went to Juarez, he invited me to train in his backyard and stuff. Because at this point in time, you were like really uh, like a big bodybuilder type of guy just right. trying to get into the business. Right. At a time when there wasn't a lot of those guys, especially in Mexico, right. where the body types were never kind of those big muscle guys. They're more, I always think of kind of the... Satanico or uh, El Dandy, a barrel-chested. Yeah. The guys were in shape, but they right. weren't looking like you with the, the lats and the abs and the chest. So yeah. for Eddie to see you, did he take you seriously at first? Uh, yeah. And so what had happened was, is, uh, coincidentally enough, I had actually quit my job, and I went with his uncle, Rey Mysterio Sr. We went on a tour of uh, like all these uh, places like near the desert, and one of them was Ciudad Juarez, Chihuahua. And um, I had forgotten that Eddie lived there. And I just went with his uncle. His uncle went to wrestle. And they were like, yeah, who's this big bodybuilder guy? And he was like, yeah, this is this guy I'm training. How was was uh, Gory still alive? Yeah, Gory was still alive, yeah. Well, Gory was still alive, yeah. right, right. Yeah. So, and uh, so, uh, so basically he was like, yeah, do you think he could do an angle? And so that night they did some angle with me. And it got super over. And they were like, we want you to stay here. And then me and Eddie met again because Eddie lived there in uh, Ciudad Juarez. So, Ray, let me ask you a question. Um, just a, a quick segue. The first time I ever met Ray, and this is a serious, true story, was maybe <laughs> early 1993. So that's freaking 25 years ago with a guy called Art Barr, the love machine. And that's... <laughs> we could do a whole podcast just on the machine. But we were all staying in this hotel called the Plaza Madrid in Mexico City. And Art was in the room, and I was in my I would just have gotten there, and Art was um, maybe looking for somebody to hang out with, whatever it was. He knocks on the door, and he opens the door, and he's got this, uh, he comes inside with a little kid. And, um... <laughs> wow. He, he pulls out some alcohol and some other party favors, and he's like, uh, hey, hey, bro, he always said chewing tobacco. <laughs> Chewing tobacco. Hey, bro. You want to uh, hang out? I'm like, Art, come here. You can't bring this kid in here, dude. We can get arrested. He's not a kid. He's 18 years old. I'm like, this guy? You gotta be kidding me. And it was Ray Mysterio. Ray Mysterio Jr. <laughs> uh, and he said to me, he goes, uh, this is true. This is not, I have a good memory for this. He said, I'm a big fan. Hopefully we can work someday. And I'm looking at him and I'm a nobody. But I'm like, this guy? <laughs> you were Corazón de Leon, how, man. How much did you weigh then, Oscar, uh, Ray? Probably 115. One. <laughs> That's not kilos, guys. 115 pounds. <laughs> and... In my mind, I almost asked him, show me some ID. I know that wasn't the case. But Art's like, no, he's, he's, he's working. He's in the business. So I met you in that time frame in Mexico City in 93. True. When did you meet Eddie Guerrero? 
I actually met, well, I ran into Eddie back in Tijuana as well uh, as a fan. I hadn't even started uh, wrestling yet. And he would come over and do shows in Tijuana uh, under the promotion of Benjamin Mora, which was the biggest promotion at the time in, in Tijuana, Mexico. And that's when my uncle would let me sneak into the locker rooms. I had to have been 12, 13 years old. You know, and I got to see Eddie wrestle against El Hijo del Santo, uh, Conan as well. You know, I never would have thought during that time that eventually we were going to end up in the same company, even work together. Now, Eddie and I go back to before we even worked in WCW, uh, we had our first match in AAA, thanks to Conan, because you pulled him out of, you convinced him to leave Arena Mexico, <laughs> drop the mask, and come over to AAA. And at that time, that's when I was main eventing in AAA, and I got a chance to work with Eddie for the very first time. So uh, it was awesome, man. Instant chemistry. Oh, instant, instant. Because one of the best matches that I've ever seen to this day was, I think, 1997, Halloween Havoc. Right? You were there. Back in Las Vegas. Betty Boop. (laughs) MGM Grand, don't go to the Betty Boop Center Bar. Actually, do go there. We used to have a lot of fun at the Betty Boop. Uh, It was uh, Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero, and you were wearing uh, a phantom costume. Yeah. Yes. One of the best matches I've ever seen to this day. You guys had such great chemistry. Yeah, you know what? That yesterday was uh, anniversary. Twenty-one years. Wow. Since that match happened. Yeah. yeah. October twenty-sixth of nineteen ninety-seven. You know what's incredible to me that uh, I was almost at all the TVs, but I only saw two standing ovations. One was uh, for that one for the. Phantom of the Opera outfit match in Las Vegas. <laughs> and, uh, I love how he changes the name. Was Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. <laughs> the Phantom, but we get it. Right. And uh, the other one, I'm in Iran. So the other one was... Uh, Conan's in Iran. If you guys listen to uh, Keeping It 100, you know what that and means. So uh, the, the first one was the very first time he went there to uh, a WCW. I remember there were, a lot of, there were a lot of people going, oh, are we going to have a, you know, a, a minis division? And, uh, you know, what's going on? Did, uh, is it a... a uh, take your kid to, you know, to work day and stuff like that, you know. And I was all right. Huh? I was actually talking to my son about this yesterday because uh, he had come back from uh, Lance's school to, to be a Ray's son is training uh, at Lance Storm's school right now. Uh, dude, he's, he's six inches a foot taller than you. He's a tall kid. Yeah, he's a tall yeah, kid. Yeah. Six, six one. About... Negro Cassis would say lechero. <laughs> The milkman. The, the milkman. The came milkman came in. The milkman. That's what Negro Casas told me was. Lechero. <laughs> so um, he said that he had Don Callis come out to Lance's uh, school, school, Storm right? Academy, and was just giving him uh, a speech on how the business has changed and how the talent is different now. And, and I, I was confirming that with Dominic and telling him, you know what? Just imagine, I said, back in my day when I broke in, my first opportunity in WCW was, let's throw him in a pay-per-view match. Opening match against Dean Malenko. So you don't see that. <laughs> it was like, and that's, yeah. that's so what that match, that match, I was telling him, bro, you need to go out there, you need to represent Tijuana, Lucha Libre, AAA, Mexicans, the house. You go out there and 
And we were very lucky that um, we were very lucky also that Dean Malenko being very yes. professional, not being jealous, because you know it could have been somebody else, and it would have been a whole different story. He understood probably being a smaller guy too, and he went out there and did an incredible job. And you could see Hogan and Macho and everybody going to the uh, to the monitor, and everybody's like, "Oh my God, what's going on here?" And he came back, and they gave him a standing ovation. Yeah. How about you, DDP? Like I said, we're talking the early days of Mexico in the Plaza Madrid, Insurgentes de Reforma. Uh, you met Eddie when you were in WCW and you were already... No, no, before. Tell before. us. Tell when, us the story. When, when I was like Jake the Snake Striver, you know? <laughs> when, I, when I just donned at the side to try to get a little sponge to learn from, he got in an angle with Conan in AAA. And you have to understand... Conan then was like the ultimate warrior. I mean, he was over you. That's not. That's no joke. No, you. Conan. Conan was you. Hulk o Hogan over in the early '90s in Mexico. No joke. Hulk no. Hogan, The Rock, Steve Austin. He was all those things. No, he was man. And there was a. It was a six man. And I was kind of like Jake's bodyguard. And when we came out there, and then you know, Eddie and and seeing Eddie and. I was, and I know Eddie through his brothers because I go back to the AWA where Bad Company, when I was managing Bad Company, you know, Mondo Just and Hector. Arrows, right? yeah. yeah, like that was our biggest feud. And uh, so there was a lot of uh, like, wow, okay, this is the other brother. The one I ever heard about, wow, that motherfucker. It's unbelievable, <laughs> you know, and you can just see it. But the entrances, you know, that was before WC, uh, WWE did these really long entrances. Luce Libre, I mean, it was 20 minutes to get everybody in the ring. But, uh, you know, that's where I originally met him and met Art and, uh, you know, started a relationship with Kona. Because I'd always heard, too, when I first went to Mexico, I started uh, with, uh, uh, what's the cat's name in Monterey? Elizondo. Elizondo. Elizondo ran this company in Monterrey, Mexico, and he put me in these really small little tights. <laughs> and these things were so tight you could tell what religion I am, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so when I, when I worked kind of in that area, it was kind of an ECW of Mexico, and then because I was doing some good work, I got the call from the WWE of Mexico at the time, which was Paco Alonso, CMLL, to come to uh, work in Mexico City. So we stayed at this hotel, like I said, called the Plaza Madrid. It was right in the middle of Mexico. And um, Hector Guerrero, who's Eddie's brother, was in charge of taking care of me because they wanted to make sure that, you know, if you have a problem finding out how to get to a town or how to buy a bus ticket or whatever it is, Hector will take care of you. And all I ever heard was Eddie Guerrero, nicest guy, best guy, such a good worker, cool guy, best guy. So I'm with Hector, and he says, hey, after a show, we come back. Eddie's in my room. He's staying with us. And Eddie was working for AAA with you guys. You want to come meet him? I'm like, oh, yeah, Eddie Guerrero. Like, he's like super nice guy. Everyone's told me. I go up to the room, open the door. Eddie's standing there just wearing tidy whities and nothing else. <laughs> and he's, he's loaded. He's drunk, <laughs> which... I never got to meet Eddie Guerrero the first time. I got to meet Eddie the Giant. <laughs> Eddie the Giant is what we called Eddie when he was loaded. And uh, I met uh, him. <laughs> <Yeah>. In the <laughs> ring! <laughs> 
I go in the room. Hector goes, this is my brother, Eddie, and Eddie's standing there. Eddie had, like, this almost a hunchback with the biggest lats you've ever seen. So he would stand there like this. <laughs> What's your name? My name's Corazon de Leon, but uh, that's just Spanish for Lionheart. My real name's Chris. He goes, I'm Spanish. I know what f***ing Corazon de Leon means. <laughs> he goes, you think your shit don't stink? That was a big Eddie line. You think your shit don't stink? I'm like, and I don't, I'm like, no, I, my shit stinks. I don't. <laughs> he was so mad at me because I just, I didn't like, when he asked me what my name was, I didn't know, do you mean my wrestling name? Do you mean my real name? So about, you know, five, ten minutes later, Topsy's passed out. Uh, next morning, I'm downstairs eating breakfast. He comes downstairs and uh, I say, hey, Eddie. He goes, hey, I just want to apologize for what I did. I don't remember what I did, but I'm sure I did something bad, so I apologize. And I was like, apology accepted, sit down. And we were friends ever since. Mine wasn't quite like that. <laughs> what was yours? We were, I, I didn't know, but it was Eddie's birthday. And we were in Tupelo. And, we, and we've been working a while. And at some point, I, I'm in the heat, and I hit him with some bump, and he pops to his knees, and he goes, come on! <laughs> so I boot him, and he doesn't sell anything! <laughs> come on! And he starts getting up. So I hit him! He goes back to the, come on! I'm like, mother <laughs> And I go, I, I really go to hit him. But about here, I go, I can't do that. So I loosen up my hand, my, my motions keeps going. And when I hit him, I snatch him, I shot him across the ring. He bounced off a turnbuckle, hit face first. And I look at Charles Robinson, tell that mother we're going home. And he went down to tell him, and he goes, his ear's bleeding. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and I walked around, did some shit. I went to pick him up. He didn't move. I went to pick him up. He didn't move. I went to pick him up. Boom, boom, boom. We went home. He walked through that door. He kicked over. He goes, what the f <laughs> Now, you've heard the rumors. I filmed every match I ever had. That's true. That's true. And this is in, this is in like 1997, 98, when no one filmed anything. He would set up a tripod and a little camera at the back of the are arena and film every one of his matches. I said, before you say another word, sit down with me and watch this. <laughs> and when it got to one point, he goes, I'm so sorry. <laughs> And now I smelled him. I go, boy, you are f***ed up, mother <laughs> Awesome. So, man, I know it's his birthday. I love Eddie. I love him. Can, he made me. He helped me so many ways. Can I tell a story about Tupelo? We were traveling together at the time, and Tupelo is the home birthplace of Elvis Presley. The king. The king. His childhood home is in Tupelo. And me and Eddie and Dean went to visit it. And Eddie... You tell him this story. Yes, he was loaded. 
He pissed on Elvis's house. part of the story. And awesome. when, I, when I said, this is, this is a typical wrestler thing, but you guys, when I, when I said, and Eddie's mad, when I said, Eddie, Eddie, you can't piss on Elvis's house. He said, F Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> Who did he ever beat? Oh! <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. That's an Eddie term for you, yeah, right? He, he just picked that out, and, and I don't know, man. He just started calling me that. What does Wito mean? It, it, it was, I don't know, it was, it was more of a, like a sentimental value to him to, to just nickname me Wito. Is it a made-up name? or is it, it, it made up. Yeah, Wee made up. Wito. Yeah. All of a sudden, he started calling <laughs> me that. All right, I'll take it. And that's spelled W-E-E-W-E-E-T-O. <laughs> and we actually... Text each other that. We, we do. We do, yeah, yes. We call it, yes. <laughs> in, in memory of Eddie. So when I think of all the, the, the matches you had with Eddie, and we'll get more into it, but you're talking about that, that classic with WCW, uh, and then you moved into WWE where you guys worked together so much. What was the, the, you guys had such great chemistry, like maybe one of the best pairings that I've ever seen in, in, in wrestling history. So, so, so good. Where did that come from? <laughs> that means balls in Spanish. <laughs> With the little sign, right? Huevos. <laughs> uh, I think that just, just our, the way we were raised, being second generation wrestlers, coming from a, a, a family that grew up in wrestling, my uncle uh, being the one who trained me and, and you know, me starting as, as a young kid. Wow. How old was I, dog, when I first met you? Eight years old? Possibly. Eight? Possibly. And he was Eight already, years old. He was already training with my uncle. Wow. You know, uh, I was just a kid. I mean, Literally. So, so but when I was 18, I weighed 115. Imagine how much I weighed. <laughs> he weighed. He weighed 15. <laughs> There's babies born that weighed more than him. <laughs> but when, when, when you grow up in the business, Especially back then, you know, you you, uh, you have a sentimental value for this business and, and you cherish it, you protect it. And I think Eddie saw that in me, took me under his wing, and uh, just the chemistry just clicked. Having the same style, the Lucha Libre style, uh, him starting up in Mexico, me as well, and then transcending over to the U.S., you know, and we kind of followed, followed his his uh, footsteps yeah. in a way because you guys were in ECW you guys got signed by WCW then I came into ECW then I went over to WCW then you guys went to WWF at the time you know then uh, eventually I made my way over did you feel especially in WCW because it's interesting it's it, times have changed but at that point in time I mean you were on the top top of the top 
the rest of us, I used to say, was kind of the Indian caste system. <laughs> Wherever you come in, that's where you stay. Did you feel that you and Eddie, and maybe on Eddie's end, because Eddie at this point in time, when you guys worked with the Phantom of the Opera, <laughs> <laughs> was, and Paige, you can tell me this, possibly the most overheal in the company. Eddie Guerrero, during that time, 97, when he was super ripped, oh, yeah. wet hair, oiled, but yes, but he could never get, he would never work. He might work with you because you worked with everybody, but he wouldn't but work. But I, I worked with him before this. That's what helped me get to Savage. Like, he got me over in a, in a, in a How? spot. In what way? Tell us. Well, if you take, like, 96, if you look at the beginning of 96, you're going, there's no way this guy draws money, meaning me. And that's true because no, no one believed true. in you. Yeah. Nobody. But no, all the way up to that. But when me and Eddie started to work together, which is around the middle of that, towards the end of 96, if you couldn't have a match with Eddie, you couldn't fucking have a match. But I'm really going to think that match out, knowing all the shit that he can do and stuff that maybe he hasn't done yet, I know he can do. So we went out there, and then night after night, people started to go, wow, wow, DDP's having a good match with Eddie Guerrero. So it just upped my grade. And then I went to Chavo because Eddie was going away to go to Japan. For Chavo a, Jr. now? Chavo Jr., yeah. yeah. And the angle was, I'm going to go out there because I, I had just had that Lord of the Rings thing, which was bullshit. Did you, I don't even remember that one. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the deal was I was just going over in enhancement matches and getting the finish over. And that's because they wouldn't give me anybody to beat in that scenario. And then they put me with Chavo. They want me to have a match with Eddie. Eddie slips over. And then you hit him with a diamond cutter afterwards. I said, how about I hit him with three diamond cutters? They're like, all right. And then I take the whip out. And I grab the ref's belt and whip the shit out of him. Chavo comes down, sets our match. First time we work, boom, he beats me. Now it leads to our pay-per-view match. Me and Chavo had a hell of a match. He was young. What was he, 20? Dude, Chavo had maybe 20 matches when he came in WCW. Yeah, he was young, yeah. but he was another natural. And we had a good match, and then I slipped over on that with the finish, and then it led to me and Eddie. So Eddie got me over in a way where I love what you think, but I really give a shit what they think in the back. And I'm not talking about the office. I'm talking about these guys. I care what the boys in the back think, like, okay, dude, now if you just change this. There was a match where I was working Eddie in Buffalo. I will never forget it. And, and you know, Eddie, he always walked that line, even when he's a babyface, of being a heel. So they started chanting DDP, and I grabbed that mic. And I said, the last thing I need is you sons of bitches cheering me. And what happened, they shut up. That's not the reaction I wanted. <laughs> they listened. Sorry. So I, Eddie goes over on me at the end. I go to the back. Scott Hall pulls me over. He goes, what the f*** are you doing? I go, what are you talking about? I'm just being a heel. He goes, no, 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 no. You care that they react. You're a superstar. Start thinking like that. So it changed my way of thinking at that spot, that moment right there. So now we're in Halloween Havoc. And I've been beating up on Eddie on TV pretty good. He's supposed to go over 96 Halloween Havoc. He comes off the top rope, 
like he do, bringing down to me on the floor, keeps going. We get to, towards the finish, and I go to do something to him, and he goes, diamond cutter. I go, no, no, Eddie, you're supposed to go up the top. Diamond cutter, diamond cutter. <laughs> okay, watch that match. I mean, it's from here down. Boom, pin him, one, two, three. He had torn, like, the white cartilage. You know what that Wow, and the ribs. But he did it, like, three minutes earlier. And he kept going. He could have done the finish. Oh, no, he could, but he could have just said, small package. Right. I'll small package right. you. Right, like, okay. But he didn't. He called that finish, which was not the finish. Boom, one, two, three. That's October of 96. My career completely explodes. That's true. In 97. That's true. That was a huge, like, goose, God bumps. It was huge. I never forget. He's got goosebumps right now. God bumps, bro. I saw Eddie and Dean Malenko arguing over who's going to go over. And usually it's like... <laughs> If it's me and Ray, the, 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 the lineage of wrestling is like, Ray, I should really go over. And Ray might say, no, I should go over. These guys were like, Eddie, you're going over. F*** you, Dean, you're going over. <laughs> no, you went over last time, you're going over. I went over, like, arguing over who's going to lose. Like, I'm losing, I'm losing, I'm losing. Literally pushing, because Eddie would get angry, push him, and Dean's like, you know, stop, I'll tie you up in a bow. You know, <laughs> so all of this leads back to what I was asking you earlier, Ray. It, it, did you feel that Eddie felt like he had something to prove at that point in time in, in 97 at Halloween Havoc? No, I'll tell you what, the whole story behind that match, uh, and you remember this clearly, dog. Eric Bishop at the time was, was messing with me. I arrived to that show under the conclusion that I was supposed to lose my mask. So he had been messing with me. Weeks. That's when he was on a tear that all the luchadors yeah. had to lose their masks. Yes. Lose their masks right? yes. So I even, I even uh, Conan and I discussed the situation. And I don't know if you remember, like, don't go to the show. Don't show up. Tell them you were hurt. Wow. And I actually got a call at home from Eric because he apparently had found out that I wasn't going to go to the show. And he said, if you do not show up, you're going to be under breach of contract. And you know what's going to happen. So I said, damn, I got to go. <laughs> I showed up. I was looking for him a night before to try to talk to him and convince him not to take the mask off. Nothing. Showtime Saturday, uh, Sunday, me and Eddie go over the match, have everything laid out. About 20 minutes before the, the match, Arn was our agent. He came over, and, and I remember he told us that the finish was changed. Now, I was going over. This is literally right before we go out. I was nervous. What, what are we going to do, Eddie? Shut up. Just listen to me. Just open your ears and listen to me. <laughs> I've heard that. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just listen to me. So that's exactly what I did. I listened to him, and he put me over like a million bucks. And we did, we did things that night that we had never done before. But the timing, and again, that just goes to show the chemistry that, that we had. And we hadn't worked that many times prior to that. Mexico City, AAA, a couple times maybe. But just when you click with someone, you click. You know, you don't have to, you, you didn't have to spend years working against each other. Psychosis, even though we trained together, 
when we started wrestling for the first time against each other, we just clicked. Just have it. Hoovy, we Magic. clicked. Eddie yeah. was just on another level. Yeah. And another then, level. which happens with all of us. There's guys that we meet for the first time, you just automatically click, right? But, like, to me, it was like, you're getting one of the greatest wrestlers who ever existed, Eddie. Ditto with Ray, right? You're putting him together in a ring, and then here's the other part, which he keeps talking about, and you've been very good with this, so as DDP is... You guys weren't selfish. You were more interested in that the people went home happy than who lost. Yeah, yeah. And if more guys would have thought like that back then, yeah. the business would have been. And Chris, how many times did me and you work against each other before? And we clicked immediately Amazing. too, right away. Amazing. I mean, it was it, there was chemistry from day one. You know, we've always had that. But we all came from the same. And this is not like back in my day which was a Wednesday. <laughs> Jack Slade's joke right there. Wait one minute, wait one second. <laughs> is that guy that you just pointed to, what is his name? Jack Slade. Jack Slade? Yeah. Okay. Jack Slade, all right. Jack, come here. <laughs> Jack. This is what Jack did today during the, this is when you know you're a rock star. During the Chris Jericho concert, which was awesome. Thank you. We were watching it from upstairs. Yeah, Thank it was you. awesome. Hey, hey. Show. Jack Slade came on stage, and his only job was to help Chris take off his jacket. <laughs> <laughs> and how about the drinks? Chris goes like this. Hardest working man in show business, baby, right there. <laughs> and he brings up his drinks. <laughs> it's, it's my cruise. I have people. I have people now. But, I used to have people. <laughs> But, but what you were saying, and we came from a generation, and, and, the, and I always respected you, Paige, because in the WCW era, which was my first worldwide company, there was a, and it's, it's just the way that it was at the time. I love all the guys that worked there, but there was a certain level of these guys are on top, these guys are not. And we, we were there, you kind of flirted in that area, and you were there, but you always showed up at the house shows. Nobody else ever did, it was always you. So working with Eddie and working with Dean and Ray and, and, and Benoit and all of the luchadors, and, and you know, we understood that, listen, we have no chance other than just doing the best possible matches we can. And whether you win or you win or you win or, or the, the few times I got to work with you, I don't care. I just want to have good matches. And Eddie was always about that. And, and he even I, told Chris, me, can I, can I interrupt please, you? please. I have to tell you, one of my favorite diamond cutter ever I'm getting ready to do the Malone and Rodman thing. And I'm going to work with Eddie on Saturday night. And we're the main event. And he walks up to me. You know how he does. Saunter up. <laughs> Always saunter up. That's great. Saunter up. Diamond. How hey, about, bro. How about, how about, bro, we, 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 do a, we do a diamond cutter out of a power bomb. I go, but I go, but your 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 junk's in my face like there. How, how do I get you out? He goes, no, 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 no. He goes, just roll me up on your shoulder. So I snatch him. I pull him up. Now he's laying over me backwards on his back. I go, what do I do now, Eddie? <laughs> he says, boost me. And I go. And he flips and he just slides down my back. And I look at him, I go, bro. <laughs> if we could make that happen, 
That would be magic. Go and look. It's the greatest. It's called on YouTube, the greatest diamond cutter ever. Wow. He pancakes up in the air as I flip through, and it's absolutely perfect, and I go berserk. That was all Eddie. It was all Eddie. I just fell down. <laughs> I just fell down. Eddie, to me, um, when you look at his, his lineage and his career, like a guy that came in, there's Jack Slade delivering drinks now. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Slade, Jack Slade, Jack Slade, Jack Slade. Make sure to check out Jack Slade's Pro Wrestling Tees.com. Uh, He's got as many shirts as Jojo Feeney. <laughs> but Eddie, uh, shh, calm down. My show. Shh. Okay. The thing with Eddie is that if you look at a, um, you know, he came in, let's say, he came, when he came into the WWE, for example, he came in with Chris, Perry Saturn, and Dean. They were called the Radicals. And I heard right, right from the amazing combination now if you look at those guys chris benoit dean malenko perry saturn eddie guerrero into the WWE system who's gonna make it right right from the start i i, I vividly remember this two weeks after they got there i heard from a very high source vince says eddie's the guy and i was like really he's eddie's the guy he's the one out of all these other guys like perry was all big and benoit was benoit and dean was vince Eddie's the guy because he checked off all the boxes. He didn't have the size, but he worked like he was a giant. He thought like he was a giant. He could do anything, as all of us know, and he had the character and the charisma. And lo and behold, you know, Vince is a genius and Vince knew what he wanted and Vince made him one of the biggest stars in the company because, but that was right off the bat, he saw that, which I always thought, wow. They right, right away, you could see Eddie's charisma and character coming through. You're talking about... Well, first of all, before we go to WWE... Which they hadn't seen in WCW in all the time he was there. Well, they never gave him that push either. And right. I was a big guy about that, because you know I wanted to work with... Yeah. I'd work with Eddie, but I wanted to work with Chris, too. And I wanted to make Benoit. Him. Yeah, Benoit. I mean, he was unbelievable. But you were always... And this is, this is not a, 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 you know, a Winston Wolf sucking each other's dick sec, a sec, uh, session. <laughs> but you, like I said, like if, and you know this, dude, and you know what, too. We would go to a house show in Tupelo, and the first three matches would be luchadors, right. and you guys would... Actually, the first match would be me and Dean, and we would have to work until you guys got there. <laughs> <laughs> Just get there. It Just wasn't in our that. country. We got lost easily. There's no joke. I remember. We had no GPS. You guys thought, well, the luchadors aren't here yet. They're all traveling together in a van. There's eight of them. So, oh, Chris, Dean... you, you went a little bit. You went ahead. We were traveling in a cab. In a cab. Yeah. I remember one time Psychosis somehow ended up in Detroit for a Chicago Hell Show. Psychosis is on his way. How long is it going to be? He's coming from Detroit. What? It's like eight hours away. Dean and Chris, you guys work till they get here, and it'd be like <laughs> 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. It's like, what? he would turn heel, I would turn heel, he'd turn baby. <laughs> Anyways, the first four matches, me and Dean, then you guys would get there, all of you guys, and you would work with, I don't know, uh, maybe Booker T or Bobby Blaze or whoever the hell was around. <laughs> then you'd have a couple, maybe that Nasty Boys match, and then something else, and then you were the only guy that would show up for every house show. DDP was always there. And you would work, yes, yeah, true story. This is not bullshit. 
And then you would work with whatever NWO member which would be there, which was usually either Virgil, <laughs> Brutus Beefcake, or like, I don't know, Brian Adams or something. That's the end of it. DDP takes on the NWO. Virgil, really? Right? <laughs> I thought you were gonna do a thank you, Virgil. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. When we're talking about WCW, please tell me what the story was behind the LWO. Latino World Order. Do you know? No, I know I was, I was supposed to start it originally. Right. So originally, I think that was an idea maybe of Jason Hervey and... Jason Hervey? And, uh, Why the hell was Jason Hervey coming up with ideas? Yeah, well, that's... I'll tell you what, I got to put him over. He, he had a really good mind for the business. He, he was, LWO. No, he, he really did. He, well, he's the first guy that told me about it. And he was like, yo, we're going to do this LWO thing. He goes, and we want you to be the leader of it. But at the same time, Nash wanted me to be in the Wolfpack. So they just decided that I was going to go to the Wolfpack. And uh, he went to the, um, and then they sent Eddie over to, uh, and I was so happy, bro, because finally Eddie was able to show, you know, his personality. Yeah, his personality. Because even in Mexico, and I remember I did a shoot interview once, he got really hot, because I was like, you know, in the Gringos Loco, the least charismatic one is Eddie. And he called me and be like, hey, why do you say that? I go, because it's true. He goes, you don't have to say it. <laughs> and Gringos Locos was Eddie and Art Bar Love Machine. Right, right. right. But we were like... At the time, that's true. Yeah, we were like the charisma guys, and he was like the wrestler yeah. and the shooter, you know? And Art was that entertainer. He was and more of a Benoit style, right? Yeah. Just wrestling. Eddie had... Yeah, yeah. Eddie. Yeah. Art but, did the, but at the same talking, time, and Eddie did the walking. Huh? Yeah. But at the same time, he, it's just like he grew from that, yeah. and he grew into WCW, Bro. and they didn't get to that spot... By the time he got to WWE, to he me, was ready. To me, let me tell you what popped me, and to me it was like, okay, finally they're seeing the Eddie that we see. Because, like, for example, and we've all said this, how hilarious is Dean Malenko backstage? Funny. Has he ever shown that on TV? Exactly. No. And, and so, some guys like that. Brad Armstrong was like uh, that as he well. Was the Brad Armstrong, God bless him, funniest guy and backstage. Chris Adams. Chris Adams, too, yeah. yeah. But yeah. in the ring couldn't show it. And so, you know... Uh, when Eddie did that to me, which was, even to this day, I still laugh at it, that incredible skit where he said that uh, some luchador had stolen his wallet and he needed to take off his mask so he could see who it was. <laughs> That's WCW, right? Yeah. Go Google this. It's so funny. <laughs> he told the parka. Yeah, right. So, like, one guy takes off the mask, put it back on. Oh, put it on, put it on. <laughs> but he, he would always... Uh, uh, increase his Chicano accent. Yeah, yeah. He'd be like me going like, how's it going, eh? What the f*** going on? You want to drink some beer? Like a Canadian accent. He would do that as a Chicano. Like, yeah. hey, put on your mask, Vato. What are you doing? Like, yeah. it's like yeah. Cheech and Chong shit. And then, <laughs> and then another guy uh, uh, the, uh, took off his mask. Oh, were you in a fire? You know, and then this other guy was like, <laughs> were you in a fire? Yeah. This other guy was like, so the other guy like took off his belt. Hey, you're a good-looking guy. Why are you wearing a mask? Hey, you know, <laughs> like he went through all these gamut of emotions 
that was incredible. Good point. What a tremendous well, why not on a podcast. But he went through all this <laughs> gamut of emotions and in that one little lineup thing, you know, and I was like, okay, Eddie, show him what you got, you know, and he that was That showed it all right there just yeah. in that area. Right. Can we just please tell the quick story about when uh, it was you and me and Eddie, maybe Black Cat, I don't remember who it was. I'm not sure what it was. And uh, you were talking about when you went to, uh, we were in, maybe it was Laredo or Montemoros or something, right. uh, a border town. We went to a mall. <laughs> I told you he'd get me back. It was Easter. And uh, the Easter Bunny was there. And there was a bunch of people hanging around the Easter Bunny, but Conan got mobbed. And afterwards, we were in the room, and we were talking about it. Yeah, the Easter Bunny was there, but Conan, you had so many more people there. <laughs> <laughs> Do you yes. want to say it or should I? I've heard <laughs> Whoever. <laughs> I'm so over. I'm more over than the Easter Bunny. <laughs> On his day. On his day. <laughs> I told you he was over. Conan is saying this looking out the window. And me and Eddie are sitting behind me going. <laughs> <laughs> and man, and I've used this. I use this with everybody in New Japan for wrestling. He goes. Just being in the ring with me puts you on a different level, bro. <laughs> How great is that? We love that. We love that. Uh, Oscar. Uh, uh. <laughs> I love it. Listen, love you it. have to understand, I have never once called him. Like right. Kurt Angle calls everybody by their work names. Hey, Edge. Hi, Christian. Hi, Y2J. <laughs> I don't, I know, whatever. And right now, let me mention Kurt Angle. Yeah, you were there when the oh, Eddie. Oh, tell that story. No, I, I wasn't there. Well, oh. I, I was there, but I didn't get there yeah. until Eddie said the finale of it. But when Eddie we, got in a fight with Kurt Angle, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, the guy who won a gold medal in wrestling with a broken neck. <laughs> was there booze involved in that? What's that? Was there booze involved in that? <laughs> no, it was no. in the ring. Something like Eddie. Eddie would snap. Uh, he would snap. He had a really bad temper. And like I said, his line always was, you think your shit don't stink? And it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> now we're in trouble. And f something happened in the match with Kurt and Eddie to where in the match, on, it was a SmackDown show. Yeah. They got in a fight in the middle of the ring. I don't know why. I don't know what happened. There might have been a miscommunication. Kurt was very green. Eddie was very intense. Uh, and afterwards came back and Eddie... You think your shit don't stink? And took a swing at Kurt, and there was a fracas, Eddie, a, a brouhaha. And, and Eddie called him out, right? Eddie, Eddie, Eddie called him out. Eddie said, you think your shit don't stink? What's wrong with you? And there was an issue, and Kurt tied him in a Christmas bow. <laughs> like that. You know, and like I said, if Kurt was here, you could tell the story better, but Eddie, would not, Eddie challenged Road Warrior Hawk to a fight. <laughs> Eddie's this tall? <laughs> Road Warrior Hawk is this tall. <laughs> that didn't end up very good for him. I don't know if it was Chavo that told, that calmed Eddie down after the Kurt-Eddie yeah. incident. And Chavo told Eddie, Eddie, well, man, why'd you pick a fight with Kurt? Wh what were you thinking? Well, shit, I wasn't thinking, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's why. Tremendous. Oh, man. <laughs> Did you guys feel like, and, and you, you might have been back in WWE at the time, but I know you were there, uh, Ray, for sure. 
Did you feel like when Eddie finally beat Brock Lesnar for the title? If you want to talk about a great match, go, go watch that. And anybody that, that talks shit about Brock Lesnar, watch Brock's work in the match with Eddie. It's, it's a classic. It really is. At the Cow Palace in San, in, uh, San Francisco. And Eddie wins. And um, he became the champion. But then I saw Eddie not change, but the weight of the world was on his shoulders. He would be like if there was a, a crowd with 10,000 people cheering and two people in the front row saying, you suck, Eddie. That would drive him crazy. He really started feeling depressed about being the champion and all that sort of thing. Were you with Eddie at that time, Ray? Yeah, but I'll tell you what, I, I never really picked never up saw that? On, I never picked up on that. So he, he was more concerned about the two instead of the 10,000. Right. Yeah, no, I, I never really picked up on that. Well, let's talk, about, let's talk about when you did the whole thing. You mentioned Dominic earlier. His son now is how old is he? 20, 21? 21. 21. Yeah. Big kid, training with Lance Storm, huge future in the business. But I still remember him as, you know, this crazy angle where if you lose the match to Eddie, <laughs> yeah. Dominic gets Who's your custom. daddy? What's that? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? <laughs> daddy. Listen, like for me, like my rule's always been keep the family out of the business. This was very deep. Yeah. And you guys were carrying smack at the time. It was it was Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero, yeah. all based around Vicky and 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 Dominic. How did that come about? How was that for you? Uh Eddie and Bruce Pritchard came uh I believe it was Eddie that came up with the idea and Bruce and him worked along with with uh developing the story. But when Eddie laid it out to me, uh, he said, you think it's something Dominic would like to do? I said, oh, he would love to. How old was you at the time? Dominic was, he would have to have been six, six, six years old, seven, right. almost seven. Yeah. And, you know, when, when Eddie laid out the story, you know, this is, what, this is what's going to happen. We've been best friends for a lifetime. I had Dominic when I was young, but because of my demons... I asked you to take care of him, and it was going to be our secret. You're the legal father. Never going to say anything. Take care of him. Only me and you know about this. Which, if you think about it, man, that's, it's deep. It's, it's deep. heavy, yes, man. Yes, very, sure. very deep. And at the time, I don't think I can recall any other wrestler in the history of the WWE or WWF ever doing an angle with a family like that. My family was... I want to say it was probably one of the first families that were getting airtime, my wife, my daughter, my son, you know. Uh, so that kind of led into this angle with Eddie and, and uh, the way he laid it out, the way Dominic played his character. And even now to this day, I asked Dominic, do you remember? Does he remember? He, he remembers just the words of, okay, time to tape now. And he would be ready to tape. He would listen to whatever he had to do and then go back to playing video games. <laughs> Crazy. I still remember, though, like, it was so, like, that's, you mentioned this, Conan, earlier about the lineup, how Eddie played all these different, like, um, emotions, acting. To me, watching that, it felt very real. Like, Dominic, come with me. It was almost like Kramer versus Kramer or, you know, something where, like, Dominic, you're with me now. Come with me, like... Eddie was a great actor. And I think people forget that. Like, he passed away in 2005, which is 13 years ago now. 
And you, you know the legacy of Eddie, and, and, and the WWE's been great about keeping that alive. But when you're talking about this guy, like, his acting skills coming from a small town in Juarez or El Paso or whatever, he was great. He really was. Like I was saying before, I was going to say, he just... He grew with everything that happened. He, did. he lived it all. So, you know, that's how you grow as an actor, too. You know, and right. what we're doing in there is we, if we're making you feel our pain and the shit that you know is a work, I hope I didn't spoil that for anybody. <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> the bottom line is Jersey, he, don't mess with them. Yeah. He, you know, he, he grew. He grew as, you know, by the end. I mean, when, when, when people there. say to me, like, who's your favorite guy to work? And for me, I never work with Eddie in WWE a lot. We, 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 I say we're the greatest tag team that never was in WCW. Uh, the, I remember it, they put you guys together like once or twice. And for you guys six were, weeks. were great. We would have. Dude, you guys were great. It was incredible. I called us A and Way. <laughs> if you're Spanish or not. And I called us uh, North and South of the Border. They put us together for, a very, for six weeks. We had the chemistry of all chemistry. It was like Pillman and Austin, right. but they never gave it to the next level. But the point to me was, if you ask me, Chris Jericho, all these years of doing this, who might be the best of all time? Everyone says Flair. Everyone says Sean. Agreed, agreed. Bret Hart, agreed. Deep down inside, deep down inside, I think Eddie Guerrero might have been the best pro wrestler of all time. I put him up there no matter what. You know, he checks all the boxes. You know what I mean? Everything. Acting, character, work, creativity, fearlessness, calling it in the ring. Who calls shit in the ring now? Coming up with great finishes. Bro, that's the thing about... That's the thing about Eddie, bro, that... Uh, one of the things that I had asked him is, where did you come up with that line from Latino Heat? And he said there was this movie called The Birdcage, some... some yeah, The Birdcage. That's, yeah. that's uh, Robin Williams. Yeah, that one. And uh, we'll so see I had the to go name. through the whole movie to look for it. We're like, oh, are you afraid of my Latino Heat? So he had gotten that from there. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and then the other one was, uh, I was like, bro, how did you get into that? Because he just became an extraordinary character. And you know how shy he was. Yes. And you know, and he Very told shy, that, right? Yeah, very super introverted. Super shy, man. Good and call. then he was like, uh, he told me that he saw this movie. And a lot of you guys that have seen this movie, I think it's probably American Me where Popeye is saying, give me some oh, yeah. of that Tron Tron. Yes. Remember that? Yes. The, like the guy that played that Popeye. character who is like, Super hateable. He had he had studied him. Check check it out, American. I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to me, that's another thing, and I want to ask you about this, uh, Dallas. When you're talking about great wrestlers, you have to be able to be an awesome heel and an awesome babyface. Mm -hmm. And there's not a lot that can do it. Flair, terrible babyface. Great heel. You know, Rey Mysterio, I don't think I've ever seen you no. be a heel, ever. No, and I, you know? and I, I don't, I'm, not a, I'm not ashamed to say it. That's you what know? I mean. You, <laughs> you, you, no, but, dude, no, but that's, and that's, yeah. that's a good thing. Yeah. You are the consummate baby. Eddie Guerrero, when he was a heel, people hated him. Oh, man. And in one night, when he turned, people loved him. People loved Eddie Guerrero and hated him, too. There's not a lot of guys in the business, in the history of the business, that can do both of those. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Yeah. 
really hard. Don't here. applaud that. He was hey, actually fishing for a I comment. I had to do it. I had to do it. No, because, dude, you go both ways. <laughs> but so could Eddie. But so could Eddie. You go both ways, yeah. you know? To me, I appreciate it, but, but I can't hold a candle to what Eddie Guerrero was, you know? To me, like I said, like I, that to me was why I feel he is one of the all-time greats. I, I agree. You have to... What I love about being... When someone starts as, like Ray did, pretty much a babyface his whole career. The only other person I know is like that, Steamboat. Steamboat a great heel? No, no, he oh, was never. Oh, Longevity I'm, I'm, I'm going right there, yeah. to babyface, so. Yeah. But Stinger, too. He was a, Sting was maybe a heel early with that thing he did with Warrior. Yeah, but no one wanted to see that. Straight, stone, yes. stone cold babyface. Baby but as a babyface, working both ways. Like I said, working both ways. I, I enjoyed being that heel, and then I learned what the baby face needed. And Eddie, he could go both ways, and no pun intended, because he got what, what both sides meant. What, who needed what? Like, as a baby face, you need that heel to take the time and not pick you right the fuck up. Like, let you sell. It's selling, and, and it's kind of because things are so fast today, not that it's bad, but if the, everybody just took another second back and sold what just happened, you would react way more. It's just business. If you go all the way back to the 80s, they sold forever. But Eddie, again, you, you feel you figure that out, and that's why coming from where we started, Conan, all the way back to, God, when was that? It was like, it was 1993. No, I'm not talking about with, uh, when we triple Jake. A with Jake. Yeah, 93 LA was Jake the Snake versus you, wasn't it? It was Jam, man. It was yes. the guy at the LA Forum or whatever. At the LA Forum. No, no, no. It was at the uh, Sports Olympia. Arena. Sports Arena. Sports Olympia Arena. Sports Arena. The, I had not, wrestling is just so very cyclical. And right now, thanks to you, another huge resurgence in all of wrestling. But, I, wrestling was in a downturn, big time, and I had not seen the crowd. Like, Jake had such heat with Conan. Like, there was, when the shit hit the fan at the end, Jake was down. He had taken, what was the, the little guy in the white outfit? What was his name? Aluce? No, the little guy. The oh, Mascarita Sagrada. Mascarita Sagradas. He does the splash off the top rope to Jake, and he snatches him and body slams him and comes down on him, and the place comes unglued. They were throwing shit at Jake. At one point, I'm over on the ringside, and they throw a toenail clipper, and Jake trapped it. He goes, we're getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> and then they were throwing piss on us and all sorts of shit. It was but that, And the match that night was... was was uh, Los Guerrero's Locos? What is it? Los Gringos Locos. Eddie Guerrero, Love Machine versus Octagon and Santo. If you guys haven't seen this match, yeah. please when go Worlds watch it. Collide? Is that when, when Worlds Collide? collide? Wow. It's 1993, 1994. It's one yes, of the best was... matches you'll see. And you can see right there uh, the genius of Eddie Guerrero. And we mentioned Love Machine earlier, taken way before his time, both guys. But what a great heel team at that point in time. And if you really want to see how wrestling was back then, look at 
It was in my match with Perro Aguayo, which was a cage match. And so now Machine and um, Eddie have come out, which are part of our group, Gringos Locos, right? They're shaved, and they're coming out to do an angle in my match. And the fans are so rabid that now they're starting to fight with Eddie. And I can see Eddie going to the crowd. And, like, you're your own security at that point. You know? <laughs> Not and, uh, good. You're mad for himself. Right. And then I come out of the cage. And you're still on that. You know, like, if you look up on what's collide, you'll see it. I go into the into In the, the crowd, I remember. Yeah, and everybody's just going nuts. Wow. But, uh, it, you know, to me, bro, it's really incredible because when I think that, like, when I first met Eddie, and I knew he was great. I just knew he was great. I just never knew how great, like, he was one of the greatest of all time. When I met Ray, I knew he was great, but I only knew him, like, in Tijuana. I never knew he'd end up being, like, one of the greatest of all time. And... You never know at the time. Yeah, you don't know, bro. we're all just Same brothers. thing with you. I put you in the top five of all time because when I... And this is a true story. This is a true story. When I lost the TV title to you, was it the, or the television title? Uh, yeah, television title. Yeah, in Chattanooga, Tennessee, that you were going to WWE and your punishment was to lose the title to me, which you didn't give a shit, right? <laughs> right. And uh, I remember, first of all, an incredible pop, and second of all, I remember going up to you and going, now I see why a lot of people consider you a young ring general. Because all you cared about was making sure I got over. I told over. you. He had yeah. this finish called the Tequila Sunrise. It was a, a, a submission. I said, dude, if you don't cinch that shit in, I'm not tapping out because that thing looks like shit. Right? <laughs> what happened? What did you do? He <laughs> paralyzed me. He said, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. As we wind down here, I got two final questions for all the guys here. A, do you have a, a, a favorite memory of Eddie that pops into your head? If you guys need a time to think, I have one. Um, I, Did I, I call him this, Ray? Okay, sorry. This is somewhat, somewhat of a, a sad memory for me. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> the last time I got to see Eddie was on a SmackDown TV taping, and he was reading me a verse from the Bible. Um, I've never told this story, I don't believe. And... You know, the next, the following week, we were supposed to meet up Sunday to do a pay-per-view in Minneapolis and then fly overseas. That's when we used to do the charter planes. We would all jump on the plane, fly together. And Eddie, at the time, was living in Phoenix. So Chava was flying on the same flight, and I was supposed to be on the same flight Saturday afternoon. We were going to connect in Phoenix. Eddie was jumping on that flight, and then... All three of us were going to fly over to Minneapolis. I decided to take a, a red eye that night, so I didn't get a chance to see Eddie. And when I took the red eye that night, and I arrived into Minneapolis about 6.30 in the morning, took a cab, got to the arena, and when I got there, that's when they broke the news. I was getting my bags out of the, the cab and walking into the arena, like, did you hear about Eddie? I said, no. What, what happened? And they broke the news right away. Eddie uh, had passed away just a couple blocks away from the arena. I sprinted over there. Chris was already there. Uh, Dean was already there. Chavo was there. Dr. Rios was already there. And uh, just, it sucked that I didn't get a chance to see him. <laughs> Thank you.
What's you, Conan? Uh, this tells you everything you need to know about Eddie because, you know, we all go, again, through a gamut of emotions. Sometimes he was mad, sometimes he was happy, sometimes he was drunk, but we loved Eddie however we could get him because he was Eddie. And um, to me, something that really touched my heart was um, he was right about to go back to WWE and he was like uh, on the indies and uh, he was kind of telling me everything that had happened with him and Bicky and that he like uh, had another kid and all this other stuff and we were talking and I remember that this uh, fan had interrupted us and most wrestlers would be like, hey man, can you wait till we're done talking? I was, yeah, what do you need? So he went over there and he opened up the Bible, bro and he was reading him some scriptures and he goes, uh, if you ever need anything, here's my number. And I go, you're such a worker. You're just giving out your number and telling people you're going to call them. He goes, no, I gave him my number. You know, and that, that, that was number. beautiful. Yeah. yeah. To this day, to this day, I could tell you a thousand stories, but to this day, I, I always tip waiters or waitresses 20%. Because Eddie told me, Bro, tip them 20%. It means nothing to you, but to them it could mean paying their power bill or paying their electricity, whatever. And it's, it's such a little thing, but dude, I always, every time I go eat breakfast, lunch, dinner, you name it, drink at the bar tonight, when you get the bill, I look, if it's 10 bucks, I tip $2. If it's 50 bucks, I tip $10. Because Eddie told me, always tip 20%. That's what I remember. That's my, that's my page. I didn't, I didn't finish the right story. It's funny how I've been really sidetracked so many different times in telling that story about Eddie and, at Halloween Havoc. Right. But afterwards, we were in the back, and I pulled him aside. I said, dude, why didn't you just small package me. And he looked at me and he said, it's your time, bro. And I swear, like, I was, and it was so weird because Barbarian in that Lord of the Rings match, we ended up being together, me and him at the end, and I had to lay out the finish for him. And I said, and then you, you know, I'll, we'll, I'll shoot you in the ropes, you turn it around, and I'll do -si do and flip you over the top rope. And he goes, no, brother. I take your finish. And I go, bro, you don't have to do that. You already took it earlier in the match. And he said, no, bro, it's your time. And then when Eddie said that to me, I was like, wow. Yeah. You know, it just hit True me, bro. Like, True, bro. It was strong. Last question. Favorite match ever with Eddie Guerrero? Halloween Havoc, 97. Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> you? I'm going to tell you something. I trained a lot, a lot, a lot with Eddie, and we were, like, way ahead of our time because we were watching Japanese tapes. You were probably from that era, too. And so we were watching all the stuff that the women were doing in the 90s. You know how crazy they were? Toyota. Yeah, Amazing. all them. So we were, like, studying what they were doing, and we were just studying, like, what New Japan was doing, and we'd do it in Juarez. And I have all these matches that are still on VHS tape that I'm going to be transferring pretty soon uh, so people can see it. And you can see a young Eddie Guerrero, just like their stuff of young Ray that's incredible that I'm going to put out. Can, oh, you're you're going to pop. Can we, see a, can we see a young Conan in Juarez with the animals and, like, break, remember that? <laughs> and the yes. lats. Yeah, Conan and, the Barbarian. And, and, 
and the and the dreads glued onto your head. <laughs> My favorite match with Eddie Guerrero, uh, not opponents, but as a team, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Jericho, Clash of the Champions from San Francisco, you guys can find it, versus Ming and Barbarian. Dude, I'll tell you what, this match was brilliant. And nobody watched it, nobody cared. All they talked about during the commentary was NWO, but if you watch this match, Chris and Eddie versus uh, Haku, Ming, and Barbarian. Oh, what year so was that, great. Chris? Uh, 97 or 98. One of my favorites. I love it. So wow, good. Wow, that's very random. I'm going to look that up. Dude, I'm telling yeah. you guys, watch it, please. Because yeah. you got two giant Tongans, not Samoans, Tongans, who were also killers. You know, the killers? Killers. But killers. the best guys. So loving. You so talk loving. about guys that so just want to have a great match. They, they did everything for us. Such a great match. I love it. Thank you. Paige? Just watching what, what they did at Halloween Havoc. I mean, I... What about yeah. for your match, though? What was your favorite match that you had with Eddie? Oh, that I had with Eddie? Oh, wow. You won't even be able to pull that up. You don't have to. I just want to from your memory. Okay. Buffalo. You know, it was like... That, 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 that show, it literally... That match with him, it, I came to the back and everyone went like, dude, like... Yeah. You're like, wow. Like, again, it, 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 it was... As much as we were entertaining... The people, again, I cared about the back. Me and you sat there and watched later on uh, Flair and Savage, and we were like, that's, what's being, that's what being over is all about, not having right. to do anything. Right. And, right. and then but, two years later, you were there, which was incredible, because yeah, you were like, I hope one day, you told me that, yep. one day I, I hope that I can do the same thing and have the same reaction. Two years later, you were doing it, bro, so you were like and always it, one of the hardest working guys back there. Thank you, brother. You know, but again, and this is like, this is a tribute to Eddie. It's a tribute to Eddie because each one of us have a, a different story, but it's all the same thing. The cat's going to be remembered like long down the line because people are going to keep those stories going. And because of, you know. Exactly. Listen, guys, we're, we're done. We have to go. You have so many other activities, but. I honestly love and respect all these guys. That's why I invited them to do this. And we love and respect Eddie Guerrero. So I'm glad we got to do this. We love you, Eddie. All right, thanks again to Conan, DDP, and Rey Mysterio for doing the great live podcast on Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea. We had a great time, and thanks to Eddie Guerrero for being such a great friend and a great influence on my life and so many others. We miss you, man. I love you, Eddie. Uh, hopefully, I'll see you on the other side, my man. Uh, a and Way, uh, the, the North-South Connection, the best t uh, tag team partner that I barely ever had. So I love you, Eddie, and thank you so much for listening. And the wrestling continues on Wednesday as we get ready for Wrestle Kingdom 13, gearing up for the big show at the Tokyo Dome, Jericho versus Naito 2. And I got a great Wrestle Kingdom 13 preview for you with Fumi Saito, who's one of the greatest reporters in Japanese history, speaks great English. I've known him for over 20 years. We
we sat down and did a, it's not a best worst Wrestle Kingdom preview. It's actually one of the best Wrestle Kingdom previews you're ever going to hear. It's a huge show. Jericho Naito, uh, Tanahashi versus Kenny Omega, Okada versus Jay White, Ibushi versus Will Ospreay. You can check this out on New Japan World. Go to NewJapanWorld.com and subscribe now to see all the action at Wrestle Kingdom 13. I'm defending the Intercontinental Championship against Naito. It's going to be brutal. I'm going to end Naito's career at the Tokyo Dome. Uh, and if you're looking for a great movie to see, go check out Aquaman. I really enjoyed that. Just saw that tonight. And go check out Terrifier on Netflix, one of the creepiest, scariest horror movies I've ever seen. So that's what I got for you. Plenty more great shows coming up. Thank you for an amazing 2018. Uh, 2019 is going to be even better. Thank you for listening to Talk is Jericho, one of the biggest podcasts in the world today because of you. And I'm going to do my best to continue to bring you uh, great guests from wrestling, music, uh, rock and roll, comedy, uh, classic album clashes, true crime, paranormal, all the great stuff that we talk about here on Talk is Jericho. I promise to bring you more and even bigger and better guests in 2019. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great New Year. Stay safe, stay hard, stay hungry. Listen to NHTSA. Don't drive drunk. Take an Uber, take a car, get a friend to pick up or walk home. That's fun too. Have a great New Year's. We'll see you all in 2019. But in the meantime and in between time, stay fun, uh, stay safe. Have a great New Year's and a big yeah boy. Happy